Right. What's up, guys? It is Rick on the Rick, <laughs> the Rick in YouTube channel. And today we're we're talking all about wholesaling like we normally do. But today we're spe specifically going to talk about how to wholesale with absolutely no money. I know the title says a little bit different than that, but um, I love this part of wholesaling because if you get this, you understand why you're here and why you want to learn wholesaling from me and Zach. Because honestly, I feel if you can do it with little to no money, imagine what you can do when you have like real money with profits from wholesaling, because you'll have the experience, you'll, you'll understand how to talk to more sellers. And honestly, in the most perfect world, if you can do it with little to no money, you can actually make a ton of money doing it. So I want you to understand this. If you guys think about Shark Tank, and if anybody watched the show Shark Tank, it has one common denominator. The entrepreneurs that create a product and then test it out, meaning can they make money with what they're doing and they actually get sales and they make it work. Those are the businesses that actually work. The ones that never work are the ones who spend tons of money. I've heard them spend up to a million dollars, but hundreds of thousands of dollars designing and developing logos and coming up with the perfect brand. And, and I'm going to sell this to somebody else because they fear actually going out and seeing if the product works. I'm always a big advocate is, can you make money with your idea and your concept? And I'm here to tell you wholesaling that's already done for you, but please don't be one of these people is if I buy into a $20,000 coaching program, then I'll be successful. Or if I spend $5,000 a month of marketing, I know I'm going to hit out of the park. Guess what, guys? I started with zero. Some of the people that I know that do this business the best started with little to nothing. Why? Because if you understand how to make money with little to nothing, imagine what you can do when you do get the resources. So I love this topic. This is why I picked to do it today. Guys, I started out in over my head with debt at age 33 in wholesaling, and I completely committed to it. And I'm here to tell you, I did not have a lot of money when I started this out and I get it. And if you're in that position, you're like, Rick, how the heck do I do this with little to no money? This is the video for you. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to keep it simple, common sense, because most people complicate the heck out of wholesaling. And I'm here just to break down the basics. So I'm going to tell you what I would do today if I had zero, zero money. And then here's the really cool part. All you have to do is copy it and do it but you got to have the guts to do it. I'm not going to make the phone calls for you. I'm not going to go to all the doors, but I will give you the blueprint. So if you guys want to know where the blueprint is real simple, go over, let me pull it up here. put it on the screen for you. It's at freewholesaling.com. I put it on the bottom of there. If you have never done wholesaling or maybe you need a refresher, maybe you're getting back in the game. I think that's awesome. Go over to freewholesaling.com. Me and my son have created the only free wholesaling course out there that teaches you from start to finish, not only how to get your first deal to easily get you your first 100K. It is simple, but it works. I have over 10,000 testimonials of people I've never asked a dime for. Why? Because why not just give it today in today's incredible information age? And then the ones that can actually apply it, I think that's awesome. I don't think you guys should have to pay 10 grand to learn the basics of wholesaling. Now, the hardest part is actually doing the work. And that's where most people screw up in wholesaling 
And please don't be that person that's going to study till you turn blue. It's not going to work. So at the end of today's live stream, you'll have enough of a blueprint. But everything I'm going to share with you today is in much more detail at freewholesaling.com. Scrolling across your bottom there, um, check it out. You definitely want to do that. Um, what else do I have? Um, let me put it up here. Where I put it? Um, so guys, make sure you subscribe to this channel. I know a lot of you watch this. You're not subscribed. I get it. I get tired of being subscribed to everyone, but I know you like me. So just subscribe to me. I promise you on this channel, I reveal unique content that I don't share at Flip with Rick or even on my son's channel. I got 21 years in experience. So the best payment you can do for me is just subscribe to the channel. I appreciate it. And obviously, if you get value from today's video, do me a favor, just smash that like button. It helps other people just like you find this that are in this matrix trying to figure out wholesaling and they don't know how to do it. And I'm here to tell you, it is not complicated. Don't let people scare you. The really cool thing about wholesaling, it is not a matter of how smart you are. I am not the smartest guy, but my drive and my energy to get stuff done is so much better than someone with a higher IQ or someone that, that has a doctorate degree. Honestly, wholesaling does not care about your education. That's the one, it is the one field nobody cares where, how much schooling you. Honestly, I don't even care if you finish high school. Are you willing to talk to people and are you willing to get financially free? If you can answer me those two questions, I can dictate. <clears throat> you got to answer them honestly. I will dictate the success you're going to have. So let's jump into this. Um, oh, cool, man. I see. <laughs> let's get it going. Um, so two ways you can communicate with me today. I think I put it on the top. Let me cut and paste here. Um, use the comment section. Let me copy this. Use the comment section on your right-hand side. And if you have a question, just put it in there. And most likely I'll be able to answer it. The reason I do these Monday night live streams is because I'm just giving you guys another outlet to reach out with me. So also in the bottom, I put under there, a link. And if you want to do a mastermind with me and talk one-on-one, -on -one, I do this 100% for free, but you got to bring it. Good questions. I don't care if you've never done a deal before. You don't even have to show your face. So um, I show my ugly mug. If you want to show yours, that's great. But either way, do the comment sections or you have the one-on-one. -on -one, I put it on there. And what I'm going to do is take like, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes. We're going to go through and we're going to work this out about wholesaling with no money. And I'm not just going to talk about it. We are actually going to walk through and show you how to do it. And then um, if you have any questions, put them in the comments and we will go from there. So let's jump into it. You know, a lot of people tell me, Rick, is it really real? Can you wholesale without any money? And I'm here to tell you absolutely 100% it is. My whole free wholesaling course, I teach free and paid versions. You can get lead. Honestly, my favorite, my favorite thing in the world is when I show on someone how to get deals in wholesaling and they spend little to no money doing it. Why? Because a light bulb goes off and go, Oh my God, like Rick, you don't understand how much you change your life. I didn't change your life. You're the one who decided to seek me and Zach out. You got guidance. You didn't fall for the guru scam. If I got to pay you 10 grand to learn the basics of wholesaling. And then you went out and applied the work. And if you do that, God bless you. I think you're amazing. I really do. The whole idea was creating this channel and everything else I do with wholesaling was to change the game of wholesaling. 
Everything is a pay for play. Give me 10, give me 20 grand, give me eight grand. I'll show you how to wholesale. And then most people's courses are two or three months. And honestly, that's not a lot of time to learn wholesaling, especially if you're paying someone for it. So some people uh, in freewholesaling.com, they figure it out in a month or two. Some take a year or two. I don't care. We all learn at a different pace. Here's the key. The ones that want to run a marathon and actually win and keep getting better each day, I'll take you hands down. The ones that want to sprint, you just want to get a deal in one month and be done with me, you're never going to make it. Go pay for a coaching program. And once you get past that 30 days, which is conveniently their refund policy because of the credit cards, um, go for it. More people come over to freewholesaling.com from paid courses than any other place. Why? Because at the end of the day, just because you pay someone doesn't mean it's going to solve all your problems. You got to actually put in the work. Even if it's a paid course, you still have to do the work. So, okay, let's jump into this. Um, here we go. So do you need money to start wholesaling? Here's about the only things you would be the most powerful tools you can use to start wholesaling. And I'm going to do them in order. Number one, a cell phone. I'm not sure how you could do this without a cell phone. Now, you can have dialers with like Google Voice and stuff like that on your computers. And if you're if you're broke as what you know what, then maybe you need to do this option. You guys, there are amazing resources. You know, me and Zach have people at the library, people that are almost homeless, and they go there to do their wholesaling. Why? Because they're extremely resourceful. And so you guys complaining about, oh, I don't have money to pay for leads. I'm talking about people don't even have phones. They go to the library, figure to use an online, either a Google voice, and they get it done with headsets. How? I don't know. I think that's amazing. They also don't have a computer and they use the internet to do all their searches in the library. Most libraries are open 10 or 12 hours a day. So if you say you have an excuse, I'm going to challenge you, especially if you go, Rick, I don't have any money. I don't care. You get, you have a life, which you hit the lottery. If so, if you're alive, thank God right now and start from there. Stop saying what you don't have and start looking at what you do have. But let's talk about what you really do need. The two things that are preferential for wholesaling. Number one, a cell phone. If you have it, it makes it a lot easier. And number two, some sort of computer would be great. Now, here's a really cool thing. For $100, $150, you can get basically what I call a disposable lab type. It might be Google. It might be Android. It might be a piece of junk, but all it has to do is connect to the uh, internet and you can get it done. Most smartphones act as a computer anyway, so you can kill two birds with one stone. You don't need a $1,200 phone to do this. You can get away with a $100 phone. It's not complicated. As long as you can text, email, and connect to the internet, that's all you really need. Now, in a perfect world, I'd like to throw in a car, but I know that's 50-50. I know some of you younger don't have a car. It's not required, but it does make things a little bit easier. But a computer slash laptop, or if you can combine it all into one, I know some of you guys use like tablets and stuff like that. That's great. That's as far as you need to go. If you are spending any more money on anything else, it is not a requirement wholesaling. Why? Because that's how I started out. I had a basic computer. I did have a car. I'm not going to lie to you on that one. And I had a cell phone. Those are the tools of the trade. Everything else is a luxury item. And unless it enhances you to make more money, do this. Use the basic tools you have first. Get a deal. 
and then take some of those profits to help you step up your game moving forward. You cannot buy your way in the wholesaling. And honestly, I watch more people who spend money in wholesaling. They think they can just buy their way in. They're all going to go through the same journey as an 18 or 17-year-old kid as a 35-year-old grown man. And honestly, I find people who spend money, they can actually get more, they get frustrated because it's the same journey. You can't buy your way into this. I watch people try to do it all the time. That's not wholesaling. That's speculating. So the answer is definitively no. You don't need money for wholesaling. I will stake my entire claim on this. You don't need it. Does it make some things any easier? Yes, but here's the problem with it. You don't know how to talk to people yet. You don't understand the flow of a wholesale deal and you have no experience doing it. So why not start with little to no money so you can go ahead and get those experiences? Because once you get those experiences on your belt, then when you spend money on marketing, you actually can do serious damage. The problem is, if you are brand new to wholesaling and say you buy somebody's coaching program and then they tell you to go out and buy $5,000 in direct mail or PPC is here's the problem. You don't know how to talk to those people. And even if you do know how to talk to those people, you're going to be nervous and you're most likely going to screw up the deals and it's going to cost you a fortune. So I like my methods. I'm going to share it with you. But remember, there's always multiple paths to wholesaling. I'm talking to those of you that are broke as you know what? And you go, hey, Rick, how do I do this? Let's just dive into it. And guys, you can always do more, I promise you. So let's talk about our options here. If I don't have any money, how do I attack wholesaling? So number one, as I said, make sure you go over to freewholesaling.com. I go into this grave detail. I only have so much time to teach this. So option number one, cold calling. It's simply picking up your cell phone and calling people. But Rick, how do I get their phone number? I'm going to go over it in the list section. But cold calling is a method you, you contact motivated sellers. You are going to have to skip trace them. Now, every guru in the entire country is going to tell you you have to pay for skip tracing. If you don't have money for skip tracing, guess what? It's 10 to 12 cents per skip trace. Or you can go online. You can do it manually with a Google search. Or you can use truepeoplesearch.com. You can use white pages. You can use Spokio. I think it's a $10 or $20 service, but that goes outside of our free parameters. Bottom line is you're going to have to put some sweat equity in looking up these phone numbers. It sucks. It's time consuming, but we don't have a lot of money. And honestly, after you get your first deal or two, I would set some money aside for skip tracing because then you can go much faster. And you'll see why it's 10 or 12 cents per lead because you got to call multiple ones. So cold calling by far, and you can actually do cold calling without a car. That's why I do it first. It's very scalable. It can go very fast. And honestly, there's no expense other than you taking in the time. And as long as you have a cell phone service that you can reach out to it. Guys, I can't give an easier way to get started in wholesaling with like little to no money. That's why cold calling is so popular in wholesaling. And that's why you have to understand it. Um, option number two. I see your questions, guys. I'm marking them all. Driving for dollars and reverse driving for dollars. So simply number one, option number two, driving for dollars to just get in your car and looking for ugly houses, look for high grass, boarded up windows, blue tarps on roof, knocked over mailboxes, or like really badly damaged properties. Oh, by the way, I could just charge you $3,000 for that course. I just gave you a course for $3,000. I'm not kidding you. There's entire courses on driving for dollars. 
Um, we teach it all for free at freewholesaling.com. To me, that's not even a course. Why would you pay for someone to tell you how to get in a car and look for an ugly house? If you can't grasp that common sense trait and you're going to pay three grand for that, you're going to have bigger problems in wholesaling, I promise you. The second part of this is reverse driving for dollars. And this is taking one of our lists, which I'm going to do after this section. You get a list, you look up the property appraiser site, you find the address, and then you drive by there and you leave a sticky note on the door. So you do a yellow sticky note, you can do a pink, you can do purple, knock yourself out. Some investors put stamps on them, which is really cool. Or you can just handwrite it and say, hey, got a quick question about your house, give me a call. And you put your phone number on there. It's that simple. You put out 100, 15 people call you back, three or four, you have a conversation, one or two you meet with, and that's how you do a deal. You can kind of reverse the process because in the old days, why we call it reverse driving for dollars is I used to go and drive and knock on a hundred doors. It takes a lot of time to knock on a hundred doors and you have a lot of ridiculous conversations. So I'd like to tell you, I came up with this idea, but somebody else came up with it and it's just more efficient and the advent today of ring doorbells and nobody wants to answer the door anymore and a lot of laws against door knocking. Um, this is a way to circumvent it. So definitely take that. Now, option number three, often overlooked, but never forgotten about is uh, joint venturing, which is nothing more than partnering up with someone. Now I will tell you this joint venturing. Most of the time it winds up when there's a new wholesaler, in the game and then they have a deal and then they partner up with a more senior um, wholesaler that's got experience, someone like me. The problem is you can be taken advantage of if you don't know what you're doing. Make sure you have a written agreement. Um, go over to freewholesaling.com to check one out. I mean, joint ventures are pretty straightforward. You typically want a 50-50 um, agreement because that way both people have to work together. Now, sometimes you have to do 60, 40, something like that, or 65, 35, because the other person's putting up money. Maybe they're not doing an assignment, but I'm here to tell you, make sure you have a agreement in writing, not just verbal. And once you have it signed, you give it to the title company that is pulling title for that deal to make sure you're always in the chain of being paid on it. If you skip this step in doing a joint venture, you most likely will get screwed over. And by the way, you never know when someone's a bad uh, joint venture partner until after the closing. You know how you know how it's bad. They just they ghost you. They are worse than a motivated seller. Or oh no, no I'm going to mail you a check. If you do not get paid the day of the closing, you are never going to get paid from them. Guys, I've been stepped on, God, I, fifty times. That's how bad it is out there. Heck, I have people in uh, <clears throat> Flip with Rick and SellMyPaper.com. They do it to me. I'm like, hey, you want to screw me? Just it's a small world out there. So I prefer 50-50 agreements because everyone feels like they have they have the ability to work with it. And honestly, the best way to do it is if you find a deal and you don't know what you're doing, you're not comfortable. If you can't do it through sellmypaper.com, find somebody in your local market, work with them and do a 50-50 agreement. And also look over their shoulder while they're working on the deal. It's a great way to learn wholesaling. You learn wholesaling much more when you're engaged working on deals than sitting in a beautiful hotel, having people teach you theory. Now I do that, but honestly, I much, much prefer working on a live deal. And honestly, it's my favorite thing to do. When, when somebody calls me 
inside of Flip with Rick Plus and they call me with a deal. I just, it's my favorite thing to do. I get super excited. I'm like a kid. I love wholesaling. One of these freaked out people. Like, I really enjoy this. I've been doing this 21 years. I'm not into it for the money. I'm into it for the freedom and the financial freedom. But honestly, I might do this. I've done a lot of deals for free. I've helped out so many people in this business because sometimes it's just the right thing to do. I love joint ventures. I still do joint ventures. I've done joint ventures since I started in my first year. <clears throat> the problem is you do joint ventures with other wholesalers. Make sure you have that agreement. It's signed and you give it to the title company and it's very, very black and white with everything. So, okay, we are moving along. I promise you. Uh, let's see here. The next one. Oh, okay. Digital banded signs. Once again, if you want more detail, I'm not going to go on all the details on this. We, you can go over to freewholesaling.com. This is basically where we take our banded signs and we put them out digitally. And we teach you how to infiltrate groups you're already organically involved in. And once you have trust and rapport, just like me and Zach teach you in wholesaling, it is the perfect opportunity to work with people of like mind to see if they need help selling a house or you got a house, you got to sell. This is perfect. I can help you out with it. And it works out well. How this does not work out well is if you spam, spam, spam. Like when we get people come in wholesaling of houses for real and their first comment is where, uh, where, the, uh, where your deal's at. I got cash buyers in all 50 states. I know what you're doing. I know whose program you bought and you will be blocked instantly. And you'll be blocked 95% of the time of the groups that actually pay attention. Don't be that person. The digital bandit science teaches you how to go into groups organically and get leads. And it's a proven, a proven method. And here's the cool part. It's 100% free, but you got to follow it step by step or it doesn't work. If you try to just go out there, join a hundred groups in one day and then post in every one of them, you're wasting your time. I think we all can admit right now, nobody's doing that anymore. So once you're considered a spammer, nobody wants to work with you. And so you want to make sure you work that way smartly with it. Option number five. Now, a lot of you guys don't hear this from me, but uh, it's all in freewholesaling.com. Garage sales. I love garage sales. Now, I know what you're thinking. Go, oh, crap. Is Rick buying junk at a garage sale? I'm not. I teach a method where you can actually go into a garage sale not actually, you don't even have to go to the garage sale. You're looking for the event of the garage sale. You can look for them online um, in Facebook groups, Craigslist. Get a list of your, all your garage sales and basically find the owner of record of that garage sale. Make sure they're not having a garage sale every weekend and simply cold call them or send them a letter. Or I wouldn't put a note on the door because it has a renter there and just see if they're interested in selling the property. The key secret in this is there is a huge correlation between garage sales and when people sell a property. Now, a lot of times the garage sales actually being held by the tenant. And when you contact the landlord, they're not even aware of it. So when you go, Hey, listen, I noticed you're having a garage sale. I just see if they what do you mean? I'm having a garage sale. Yeah. It's your property on one, two, three USA street. Oh, uh, he goes, Oh my God, I've been having problems with them. A lot of buying properties from tired landlords is timing. The garage sale is a pre-indicator that they have a midnight move out going on their hands. And when that property is empty and there's a pile of garbage on the curb, and I've been a victim of this dozens and dozens of times, 
if somebody told me there's a garage sale going, I would get, I would have got fired up, especially when I was younger and I had a lot of rental houses. So I'm here to tell you is garage sales are huge and they're not, I'm not telling you to do the Gary Vandercheck going around doing garage sales, which I think is pretty cool, by the way, is you basically cold call them. Hey, I saw you're having a garage sale. I just wonder if there's any interest in selling the property. Um, I buy them for cash. I was looking for an extra one in that neighborhood. That's it. And if they say yes, that's great. Usually they go, oh my God, I can't believe they're moving out. And then if you can help them with information, it works, works really, really well. And I got a lot of deals doing it this way. The other one are bail bondsmen. A lot of you don't know this is bail bondsmen is basically when someone gets arrested, they have to post a bail. And so if the bail is 10,000 or a hundred thousand, a bail bondsman basically sells an insurance policy and the insurance policy says you pay a 10% premium and I'll put up the money. And as long as you show up in court, the bonds fulfilled and they get their money back and that's how they make a living. So if it's a $10,000 bail, they put up a thousand dollars. A lot of times grandma or mom will put it up and maybe they don't even have the money and they put a lien on the house and they, these bail bondsmen only take first positions most likely. And I found this out uh, once by doing a short sale. And then from the short sale, I visited the bail bondsmen. And after four or five visits, I wound up buying three houses from them because of a lien. Now, I will tell you, bail bondsmen are very educated people and they know the market well. But most of the time, they just want to get their premiums back. They don't want to buy the house. So you can work with bail bondsmen because there's a lot of people who get in trouble and they got to put their house up as collateral and they can never make good on it. And they work really well. Don't try to rush a bail bondsman. You have to spend time and get to know them. And most bail bondsmen are handed down generation to generation. They're the ones we have in our local area, they're passed down two generations. They've been in it over 50 years. Really cool stuff. So don't be like a know-it-all when you go into them. Just say, listen, if you got any real estate, you need help. Um, because they foreclose on it and they take over real estate all the time. So Definitely, definitely want to talk. Um, don't skip them. They work <laughs> They're and they're really cool how a lot of it works. So let's talk about the list. Is this, this really gets out. Let's get down to the most important part. If I'm going to go out and learn wholesaling for free, I've taught you the vehicles to easily attack them. Now we have to cultivate the list. They go, but Rick, these lists cost money. I got to go to list source, Melissa data. I, I got to get an account with PropStream. I got to go over to batch. You don't. You honestly don't. Absolutely not. That's a crutch people use. Now, if you have some of these list services, they help out wonderfully. But the reality is you don't need them. I didn't use them. You can easily get through it. Let me show you how to do it. So the first one, and honestly, I'm not going to, uh, I guess I'll, you know, I'm not going to do them order, order importance. All these I give you are ones you have to do. Code violations. Every city, every county has them. Code violations, basically, when you do, you're not mowing your lawn and the neighbor tells on you or the city drives by, you get a notice to correct the problem. Or you, and if you don't correct the, the problem, you get a fine on your house and they put a lien against it between $50 and $100 a day. Why is it so great? Because as a wholesaler, I'm looking for the most motivated people. You've already understood that if you want to be a realtor, you got to list people's houses. We're not realtors. We're looking for distressed properties and owners that need to sell now. So you got to look for lists. And MLS is not a list of motivated sellers. It is complete opposite. 
So when you go and look on it, you're going to struggle with that list. And if you buy a program on it, I promise you, you're going to be disappointed with it. MLS is not a place to wholesale. So if you want to be a glorified realtor or a pretend wholesaler, go ahead and do the MLS strategy. I'm just telling you, I've never met someone that has an amazing success just doing MLS that didn't have a license and previous experience doing it. It is not for the newbie. So the best thing to do is the code violations. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Where there's motivation, you got to hunt. A lot of times these people, because their grass is high, nobody lets their, their grass grow high because they think it's cool. It, it's either they're out of money or there's a very stressful situation in their life. Either way, I want to help them out. It's not normal. It pisses the neighbors off. It pisses the city off. So remember, we are trying to create value here and help people out. And the worst thing you do is when the grass gets high, it's, now it's a couple hundred dollars to cut it. And then they get a levy, a lien filed against their house for 50 to 100 bucks a day. True story, I've seen a cut the grass bill go be high as ten dollars to $30,000. It's me, it's ridiculous. Did you know a lot of times when they cut the grass, it is the homeowner's responsibility to call the uh, the city or the county to have it reinspected to get it off their list. And if they don't call, they automatically go on the, the uh, special magistrate and they have a hearing. And if they don't show up because the homeowner never was at, they record that 50 or or $100 fine. So I helped the lady out once. She had a $30,000 fine. Her husband passed away. She moved out of Florida. They told her the grass is high. She cut it and then she left it alone for 10 years. And she had her sister living in the house. And then um, when she went to sell it, I found her on the code violation list. She goes, I didn't even know that was going on there. Now, I'm sure she knew, but she just didn't want to deal with it. Guys, code violations, they're a game changer. They really work. They're always going to be around. Here's the challenge with a lot of these lists. You're going to get some resistance. And if anything in wholesaling, you got to understand, if you want to do what 95% of the world won't do, you have to have a different breed. You have to be much tougher. So most people that get an objection, they fold, they cave. You can't do that here. And I teach it all on freewholesaling.com. If you can overcome someone's objection at least twice, you have a much higher probability of getting what you want in life. Most people go, hey, can I get this? No. And they leave. 85% of people will just walk out the door. As a wholesaler, you have to have you have to just keep pounding till you get what you need to do. And here's the key: getting this list, you have to be nice with it. How do you do it? To overcome resistance, you got to be persistent. Period. End of story. And you're not going to get every one of these lists, but if you get these lists, you're you're in a much better direction on it. I love code violations. I would never operate a wholesaling business without doing them. Next one is tax delinquencies. These are people that are behind on their real estate taxes. And every state's a little bit different. I'm not going on details, but tax is always in a first position, even above the first mortgage. And eventually the taxes have to get paid. Let's face it, when people aren't paying their taxes, once again, it's a stressful situation and they don't choose not to pay their taxes. Maybe it's a loss of job. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. Maybe it is a illness. This is when people need help and they want options because this doesn't go away. It only gets worse with interest and fines and stuff like that. Um, you guys know, I mean, the eviction list. Now, here's the really cool part. The eviction list is posted 
at least two or three times a week. It's at your county courthouse. An eviction is nothing more than a landlord evicting a tenant out because most likely they're not paying the rent or they've done damage to the property or they're not complying. And trust me, I've been on this list a lot and I have sold properties off this list because I just get tired of it. So I love this list. And here's the really cool part of this list. They are lawsuits. They are public. You should not get much resistance getting this list because you can go online and search for them. So my recommendation is go down to your local county courthouse, ask for that eviction list and get it. To me, it's one of the easiest lists to get. Now, I'm going to go from the easiest list to the hardest list. Ready? One of the hardest lists. We'll go through the hard list right now. Probates. Once again, this is going to be at your county courthouse. There is a probate court. And probate's nothing more than the process when somebody passes away. In order to sell the house, the deceased person obviously can't sign the deed. So the court will appoint a person in charge of it. This is someone that's usually mentioned in their last will and testament, or it's up to the courts to decide. This person's called the PR, the personal representative, or the executor. And that person has the same power to sell, lease, rent, do whatever they want with the house. And our job is to connect with these PRs and see if they'd like to sell us the house for cash for a quick sale, no hassle. Now, probates, hands down, are the most profitable deals you'll do in wholesaling. Why? They're vacant. They're run down. Listen, the person that was living there, it might have been an end-of-life situation like grandma. And what most responsible people do is they take care of the person first. We can deal with the house later. And a lot of them are out of state. And when they pass away, they don't want to pay the mortgage. They don't want to pay the utilities. They don't want to cut the lawn and keep the air going. So why not? Probates, most people are very motivated when you get them there. Now, it's slow. And there's not a ton of them per county. But honestly, if you're extremely consistent with it, you will get very big deals. This is not something you want to try for 30 days and quit. If you're going to do that, don't do it at all. If you will do probates for a year, they work well. They're not hard. And oh, you go, Rick, what's the cost? There is no cost. You got to get this list. That's going to be the hardest part. And number two, you got to cold call them, skip tracing with truepeoplesearch.com and just reach out to them. That's it. It's not complicated, guys. I love doing it. I've done multiple deals in the six figures on regular single family houses, not even commercial deals, all from probates. Why? Because they were extremely, extremely motivated. Now, let's keep digging in the harder list. Water shutoffs. Basically, if you have a public utility company, it has to be public. If it's private, you're probably not going to get it. And basically get a list of anyone who shut off their water. Rick, why do I want people's water a list of people shut off their water. Listen, where there's smoke, there's fire. If people are shutting off their water, you can't do a lot in the house and nobody shuts off their water because they want to just save a few bucks. It means you, you probably have a pretty bad situation going on and most likely they're going to have to sell the house out. If you can't pay the water bill, don't worry about the mortgage, the utilities, the insurance because it's not going to happen. And God knows you're not taking a shower using the bathroom in these houses. So, there is a direct correlation with people shutting off waters. That's why we like this list. This is probably one of the hardest lists to get. And it's 50-50 at best. So understand going into when, when you're getting this list. The other one is your fire damage list. In fire damage properties, guys, they're amazing. Um, 
I just I just watched the big fire the other day. Um, four units burnt down, uh, some sort of electrical fire. These things happen all the time. Most investors run from fire damage because they don't understand it. Now, it takes a different type of buyer to buy or fire damage, and you have to spend more time selling them and look for cash buyers that are okay dealing with fire damage properties. But if you do that, how do I get the list ready for this? This is right up your free alley. You just go over to your fire department and ask for the list or make a phone call and ask really nicely. Now, please don't beat up your local fire department because they do a, a job that most of us would never even try to do. So uh, I give them all the credit in the world. Be super nice because we need more firefighters um, and they're not used to dealing with us investors. So let's be the nicest representation we can to them. And I think um, it would be a big help. And the last one are just public liens. And you guys can look these up. Um, yes, you can use services. They make it much easier. But you can look up public liens. Um, people have recorded private mortgages. Um, municipalities have recorded liens. You can just look for individual liens that are recorded against the house. Because eventually, if those liens don't get paid, the property is going to go to foreclosure. And it's going to wind up on that list. And the one list I forgot to put on here, which I'm just going to spit it out with the courthouse, is your foreclosures. Very public list. You'll have zero resistance getting it. Most likely you can get it online. Those people, the best way to contact them is simply cold calling them. You just script, skip trace their number through truepeoplesearch.com and you call them and just the sooner you connect with them, the better off you're going to do. And uh, foreclosures are not the easiest, but they're free list. And guys, I'm only giving you about three quarters. <clears throat> Actually, I probably give you half of what I can do for free. I can go all day on free. And if anybody wants to jump on a live, I would love to talk to them about it. Um, I would, I would, I use realtor referrals. Let me get this off of here. Um, so you can use realtors. There's two ways. Either you attack them on their tired and old listings. That's the only way to deal with MLS. Never, ever attack a fresh listing unless the, you have inside knowledge or you know the broker or the agent. <clears throat> but wait till the listing's three to six months old and you have multiple price reductions. It's the only way to deal with them. Or the realtor's like, please bring me an offer. I can't find an offer. That usually means there's something wrong with the property and retail buyers can't deal with it. Remember, <clears throat> we are wholesalers. The realtor world is all about <clears throat> retail. So we're completely different in how we do it. The second way you can work with a realtor is what we call preconditioning them. And basically you meet with a realtor that loves real estate. They have interest in investing and say, listen, anytime you come across a property that's really run down, worn down, here's an example. Your client buys a beautiful property and they're super happy. And then 10 years, they come back later and go, hey, Sally, will you sell it? Sally's all excited. She comes back and looks at it. And she's like, oh my God, this property's like, it's run down. You didn't paint it. The person didn't maintain it the whole time. They're like, Sally, I'm in a jam. I just need to get it sold. Sally's like, listen, I really, I don't know if I can put it on MLS like this. You're going to have to spend some money and fix it up. If you precondition Sally, you say, listen, when you have these types of properties, if you call me, I will make you a cash offer and I'll pay your full commission up front. And then I'll possibly consider with relisting it with you. But a lot of us are going to wholesale it via assignment of contract and that's all you need to do. That's the only way you work with realtors. If you think you're going to go on MLS and call 100 realtors, see if they're going to sell your property at a deep discount. I can think of a lot easier things to do in life. To me, 
that's suicide for a new investor. I think it's absolute terrible way to start in the wholesaling and you shouldn't do that. So guys, that is it. What I'm gonna do is answer some questions here and we're gonna jump on the live. And my favorite part is just talking to you guys and helping you out with whatever you need. Um, and remember, we're kind of wide open on the uh, Rick N channel. So even if you wanna go outside of real estate, I am wide open and uh, great. <laughs> I'm open to it. So, hey, what's up, Patrick? Um, says, Rick, you and your son are great. However, I have a few questions. So, Patrick, jump on a live. Um, uh, so, Patrick's asking about skip tracing. So, there's two ways to go to skip tracing. Either you do it yourself manually, which is painful, but I've done it before, truepeoplesearch.com. Um, you can use white pages or you can even do a simple Google search. The other way is you can do a paid skip trace service. Now you can use um, listrei.com, you can use batch, and they're anywhere between 10 and 12 cents. So when you start getting 50 or 100 numbers or 500, you go, oh my God, it's gonna be a lot of work, and I get it. I prefer, prefer you to get your first deal and set money aside so you can do the page skip tracing. It is much more efficient, but we're talking about how to do wholesaling with little to no, with actually no money today. So my hands are tied in saying, you can use a paid service with it. So you're just gonna have to figure it out in the beginning. Guys, I did it in the beginning. I didn't even have an option. There was no such thing as skip tracing when I started. I had to like figure out people's phone numbers and it was not easy. That's why I did a lot of door knocking. So um, let's go. Uh, let's see. I know you guys got a lot of stuff. I know you guys got like family in town, a lot of stuff going on it. Um, Joseph says he got a garage sale uh, got a deal from a garage sale on Facebook. So remember I was talking about the, the uh, garage sale thing. <clears throat> it worked. And honestly, it's kind of a common sense thing if you think about it. Like, it would make complete sense. So um, what's up, Abu? I appreciate it. Um, guys, I am always here for you. Uh, let's see here. And the last one is here. So Patrick, there's a uh, there's a link. Um, look under the Rick in comment, and uh, you can join on the stream here. Um, Alex says, "Do I necessarily need to date probate letters if I'm sending out over a thousand? Well, Alex, we got to talk about it because sending out a thousand probate letters, I promise you, you did not have a thousand leads in the last thirty days in your county. You want to send them out from stuff usually within the last thirty days because it's the timing that works for probates." So I'm a little bit concerned if you're going to send out a thousand. Yeah, you should put a date on everything you send out. So what's up, Joy? See, I love when you guys uh, hang out with me. So let's do this. Let me. Um... Okay, let's jump over to the lives. Let's get this thing going. Okay. Let's see here. Derry, is you there? Yes, I'm here. How you doing, Rick? Good, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Man, um, I got to tell you, man, I do love your hair, man. I got one of those hairs, thank dude. You. I, I even grow my hair out slightly long. It's it's a travesty, man. I, I yeah. love guys that can grow their hair out, man. I think it's... Uh, I, I don't know how you deal with it in the mornings and then the, uh, you know, dealing with everything like that, but that's, you know, really with locks, cool, you, don't, you don't have to do much with locks. It just kind of gets in the way and 
you know, summertime, so it gets a little hot on my head. But, but other you gotta than that, like it because you have it, right? Well, it's very low maintenance. You know, I get it done once a month or once every two months, and I don't have to really think about it, worry about it, wrap it up, and I and I just get going. That's cool, man. So, what's going on, man? What can I help you out with? So, I found um, a beginning the free list. I wanted to ask about uh, first fire damage list. I got okay. two fire damage properties that I found driving for dollars, and then um they sent me i had to pay two dollars per property but they sent me 22 properties from the fire station so how do i comp fire damage list because the two properties i found um I, I feel like it had significant damage the roof some of the roof was burnt um it looked like a decent amount of room was burnt so i was just curious how do you so i'm gonna make this uh, super easy for you okay okay you would so the first law is you can you can do a basic comp on what the prop if the property was in you know normal shape like a regular ARV on it, mm -hmm. and then the easiest part is because I don't even know how to comp fire damaged properties. I always reach out to the seller, and if they have interest in selling it, I ask them for uh, the insurance estimate. And they usually have one or two. And they'll tell you, oh, it was $80,000, it was $150,000. And it's just a math problem when you do it. So if it was okay. worth four hundred grand, and there's hundred grand worth of damage, that's roughly $300,000. And then understand you're probably going to have to buy below there to have your margins and leave a little bit of money for, the, um, for your cash buyer. Here's the key is most people in wholesaling spend way too much time comping properties that aren't even fire damage properties. You can't waste your time trying to figure out a value unless there's some sort of motivation to sell it. So let the seller provide you that information or don't waste your time because you could get lost in a sea of hours of doing comps and calculations. And listen, the, the only fire damage ones I buy that are really good are people just like, yeah, I'm done with it. Like I mentally can't walk in that place even if they fix it up. They go the claims X amount. Then you figure out what the value is. And then I go out and find a cash buyer that's excited about buying a fire damage properties. And they are not your regular buyers. They're completely different. Um, okay. A regular rehabber, unless they've ever done a fire damage property, they will never buy it. They always say they won't, but they never pull the trigger. So okay. it takes more time to sell those properties. I'm just giving you a heads up. So I do a longer like inspection period, but instead of you trying to go through 10 days of trying to comp it when you're going to get stuck in that, a motivated seller will give you the estimate of what the damage is. The minute that okay. fire happens and the investigators there were usually within 24 hours and then the insurance companies are involved and then they write it up and the police department, not the police department, the fire department usually will put an estimate. It's not very accurate though because the firefighter's job is not to figure out what the exact damage is, but sometimes on the report, if they provide it to you, from the uh, fire department since you had to pay for it. They might say if it's two, if it's $10,000 or less, you're like, okay, well, I know it's not terrible. It's probably consumed to a room. And when you see it like 150 grand, you're like, okay, probably half the house burnt down. That's right. it. Right. I don't want you trying to qualify like the comp on the property. Cause it's not easy on fire damaged properties. Remember if they want to sell it and they give you an estimate, just do the numbers. The house is worth 400. It's got a hundred grand of damage. Roughly it's worth 300. So, you know, you got to be buying below there 
And that's kind of where I start with it. You just don't spend a lot of energy because the rules to wholesaling is unless you want to be a realtor, don't sit there and comp every property because we have a high rejection rate. So don't waste your time. So if you got, how many leads did you have? 44? Uh, it was 22. Uh, off this 22. Just call the 22 and see the ones that want to work with you. And the ones that want to work with you, then you can put the pencil down and start figuring it out. But okay. if you try to calculate all 22 before you call, because that's human nature, you're going to drive yourself nuts. Makes sense. You're not going to get paid for that skill is what I'm telling you. So you have to think logically. If they don't want to sell and they want to fix it up on their own, I'm not going to comp the property. It's a waste of my time. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yep, they know, exactly. listen, all the sellers know pretty quickly what the damage to the property is. Mm -hmm. Now, the fire department, just like the police department, if you get an accident in the car, they write on their report the estimated damage of, say, 5000 or 10000 And if you see 200 bucks, I'm like, oh, I know it was a, a minor fender bender. Same thing with the fire department. If you see it over like 50 or 100 grand, it's probably a significant fire. But everything costs so much these days, it's like hard to tell. So I don't want you to get lost in like the comping hell. Don't do okay. it. Just call 22 people and concentrate on trying to connect with them and see if they have an interest in selling and then try to connect with them, building your rapport building skills. And then from there, find a few of them that want to work with you and then you can dig into the numbers. But like, don't do it ahead of time. That's the bad way to do wholesaling. Got you. Got you. That help? Yep, helps a lot. Um, Especially on fire damage, dude, because like it's... They are like from a raw perspective, if you didn't have the estimate, it would cost you a fortune to try to comp that property. Got you. It, it just doesn't work. So it's, and remember the fire damage ones I've always bought, people are just like, I'm done with it. Like even come up with like a reasonable offer, I'll make it work. I go, well, hey, do you have a, uh, do you have an estimate from the insurance company? They do. So usually after 72 hours or 96 hours, they always have it in hand because gotcha. they got to assess what's going on. Okay. okay. Makes sense. Makes you got sense. it. I'm proud of you, man. 22 is a, it's a good starting point. So just yeah. go through the 22, find the ones that want to work with you and then go in and don't kill yourself on the comping. I will tell you fire damage does, it's going to push the 10 minute max mark. Mm -hmm. So you might spend 15 or 20 minutes because you got to, you got to get that estimate and then you got to figure out what the ARV is. And all you got to do is find a like house in that neighborhood mm -hmm. and then minus off the insurance estimate. And remember you got to have that, that's the most it's worth and it's like perfect condition type of deal. But remember, keep in mind, people buy fire damaged properties. They're usually fixing them up a lot unless it's just one room. So okay. you will get the highest and best use value out of it. So okay. give it a shot, man. Just reach out to them, talk to contact 22 and see who wants to talk to you from there. All right. Sounds good. Can okay, I man. Have a good one. I just have, I just have okay. one more question. Can I, get, can I ask one more question? Yeah. Yeah. Shoot, man. I'm here for you. All right, so I got the probate list easy, water shutoff easy, fire list easy, but code violations in Clayton County, yeah. they're telling me that they don't give open code violations. Well, the, the exact language was they don't give list of open code violations. So I'm wondering if there's a way that I need to word my next message to them to get it individually or... So what? So here's here's the game you have to play. You have to play the word game. So I would literally write down what she, uh, he or she said to you. And then I would just change the wording around and try it two or three more times another way. It's 
Remember, you're trying to get through a privacy policy, not like if it's, it is public data because you guys pay, for, you pay for it with county taxes. So it's, they do the same game with probates now too. I cannot provide you the master list of it. Well, can, I, can I just get a docket? Yeah, I can get you the docket. The docket's just the master list. So sometimes you spend a little time in the um, city or county office snooping around going, how would I get a list of all the probate, uh, of all the code violations? What's the name of that list? Is there a way to say it and try it? But listen, here's the reality is some of these lists are not 100%. Um, I think it's ridiculous how they're trying to hide it. But the funny thing is they can come to your house in that city and give you a code violation. And then everybody seems to know about it. And that's what I don't understand what they're doing with these. So you're just going to have to kind of play around with it. I don't have a magical phrase. Otherwise, I'd give it to you. I promise you. I'm just... I don't want to waste your time. Gotcha. Just try to keep rewarding it or try another employee or your last Hail Mary. If <laughs> this is true, I got beat up so bad on a probate list once. I think I did four or five visits. I sent my wife in. She got the whole damn thing in 10 minutes. Wow. And okay. uh, I don't think the guy um, liked me very much. Um, he definitely liked my wife. So, Sometimes it's just human nature. It's nothing you're saying. They just, they're not going to give it to you. So it's, okay. uh, I find, I find females and young people, they get the list much more easily than, uh, us older, you know, if you're just like a regular male, I don't know why, maybe it's profiling. I don't know what it is, but I'm just saying, I'm just telling you how it is. So, Makes sense. and listen, if well, you don't get it, you don't get it. Like it's, it's not like the end of the world. And sometimes you wait like a month or two and you go back and it's like a new set of employees or someone changes the policy and you get it. A code violation, this shouldn't be a tough list to get out if you really think about it. If you're paying for it with city tax dollars, I just don't understand how they hide that information from you. It's ridiculous. Right. So, sorry about that, Darius. I'm not I like you just got to keep playing around with it and see what kind of works. Okay. I'm going to do that. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate okay, it. Man. Have a good one. Leo. Okay, Ben, you there? Yeah, how's it going? Good, man. What are you up to? Just uh, chilling. Um, I just have a couple questions. Um, okay. Thanks for having me on, by the way. This is my first time uh, calling. All right. In. Where, uh, where, which part? Where are you living? I'm in uh, Rhode Island. Ah, how's the yeah. weather up there? It's all right. It's like 75 right now. It's like 100 degrees in Florida. <laughs> it's terrible. I heard Phoenix was 115 today. Oh, my God. What's yeah. Going on? What can I help um, so, you out with, man? What's going on? My uh, first question. Um, so like I said, I'm in Rhode Island. Uh, I'm working on a deal that's in Central Mass, which is like an hour for me. Okay. Um, and the title company that I like that I found here in Rhode Island, um, I prefer to use them. But obviously, um, since it's so far away, like I'm, I'm assuming I wouldn't be able to do that. And I'm having, a, I'm having trouble finding um, a title company in that area. So I was just wondering if you've been in that situation and if it would be okay yeah, to use. Yeah. Every day. Try doing it all over the country. So how far away is Mass from you? Like an hour ride or? That particular uh, town, it's in Worcester. So that's, it's like 50 minutes probably from. So have you asked your title company, can they do title in Mass? Yeah, I did. They said yes. Okay. Um, but I was just thinking from like the seller's perspective or the buyer's. So um, do you have it under contract? No, no, not yet. I was just trying to plan ahead. So talk to your title company 
it, it sometimes it's it's up to the sellers. Some sellers can't deal with it. If they are titled, uh, if they're allowed, if they're licensed to do it in mass, you can do it one or two ways. They can set up a closing. They just got to plan it out ahead of time. And honestly, they prepare all the docs and they just send a notary um, to your seller's house. It's actually even more convenient. Okay. Sellers don't. Now, some sellers are very insistent about like want to go to a title company. If that's the case, then try to use a local one. Okay. But if your seller doesn't care, like if you don't ask, you don't know, you could just say, hey, go listen, here's how I say it to him. I go, and to make this a super convenient contraction, the title company is going to come to your house. Now, the title company typically doesn't come. I've had title companies do that for me. They just send a mobile notary. It's 75 bucks. And honestly, if you trust that title company, they're okay with your paperwork and you can control the seller, do that by all means and make it seem like, here's what I'm going to do for you if you sign with me today. I'm going to make it where you don't even have to leave your house. Dude, they love that stuff. Yeah. Now, if he goes, no, 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 I need to go to a title company and make sure it's legit, you might have to change it up. Okay. And then what I'd also do is ask that title company because they're not that far away. Have they given you any like uh, referrals of anybody in mass like to help you out? Um, I've no, I haven't really. No. Yeah, and so just go go on Facebook, all that other stuff. Look at wholesaling houses for real, and find someone that's doing deals in mass, and find the 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 prolific title company that they use. So I hate switching title companies because there's always a risk something can really fall apart. So yeah. you, are you comfortable in how to do that, that mobile closing? Um, I mean, you I just, you're selling it. it as a benefit. And what I do for my clients is I bring the title company to you. Right. Okay. Yeah. And usually like, Oh wow. You do that for me. Mm -hmm. Now, some people are extremely insistent. I have to like some of the old school, old timers and you got to respect it if they do that. Right. right. Now I, to be honest with you, I've had title companies drive one hour for me. They charge me like $150 for their time and gas. I could care less. Yeah. So you're going to pay $75 for the, for the mobile notary, or you can pay an extra $100, $200 to your title company to compensate them for an employee being out for three or four hours. Right. So try one of those two, and I think you'll be fine with it. Okay. Um, and another question here is about offers. Um, so from what I understand, the best time to make an offer is um, – on an appointment, ideally if you're doing it in person and after you've conditioned the seller. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just kind of having trouble um, like on that initial call when you do the MCTP, when you get to the P, it's kind of hard to keep like the natural flow of conversation going without giving your own price like or an offer. So I just want to see what yeah, you're thinking. So a lot of people screw this part up of it. So the, the, the P and the MCTP is just price. Yeah. The reason you do it, it's not really, it is a qualifying question because if the property is worth like 200 and they're asking for 800, you got to mm -hmm. say, dude, how motivated is this person for me to spend all this time with? Right. Now, if the property's worth 200 and they say like 190, 180, they're probably worth having a conversation with. But I use it as a qualifier all the time. Right. And a lot of times they go, I don't know, you know, you, you know, you called me, you tell me what the price is. I go, just, just trying to get an idea of, you know, what you need to get for it. I use it as a qualifier because 
I get all the time in Florida, people like, I'll take a million dollars from my house. I go, it's worth 250 on its best day. Yeah. I'm yeah. a million. I'm like, and then here's how I do it. Ready for this? How did you come up with that number and shut up and just let them spit it out? Right. Right. Yeah. Listen, guys, the reality is if a property's worth 200 and they want five times what it's worth, I know you all think you're good, but you ain't that good. It's a waste of time, in my opinion. They're just not motivated. And that's why the P is in the MCTP. Right. Now, remember, you don't have to do the whole idea of the MCTP is you memorize the acronym. So like when you get stressed or like you're uncomfortable, which is going to happen when you start wholesaling is all you have to do is figure out those four acronym letters to check it off your list. So if price comes up first and it does a lot, mm -hmm. let me ask Ben, if they want a million dollars for a $200,000 house, do you think you're going to get like even a decent deal? No. And that's what you'd use for part of the qualifying. When they go, I don't know, you call me, tell me what it's worth. I'm like, just give me an idea. Like, wh what do you think, you, you know, what do you need to get for it? I don't want to say what's your ask price. I don't use realtor terms. Right. And honestly, if they can't even come up with a number, it's probably a sign. So all the other ones, the the motivation, the condition, the time, the time frame, they, they're all clues. And after you get those four, if you can't get enough clues out of those four, then you don't spend a lot of energy on those leads. Right. Okay. So it's like, so the thing is, I go, listen, if I was able to buy your house, where, you know, how soon could you move out? And where are you going to be moving to? If they don't know that they don't know the slightest on it, you are a long way from getting a deal. And then if they don't know the price and then they just get very defensive, here's, here's one. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. I'll give you an extra qualifier. How much do you owe on your mortgage? Right. It's a, yeah. if they say this, well, that's personal information. I don't want to get it out there. You are not buying the house. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's actually public record. So yeah. if you take a mortgage, take a 30 year mortgage for $300,000 at 6%, it's recorded on public record. I can go reverse engineer it like in a second, or right. I can just go to listrei.com and then it'll tell me in two seconds. So Remember, the qualification is to kind of test people because if you talk to 500 people in a day, you're going to meet a lot of idiots. And the MCTP is to get you through it. And if, listen, if you're having a fighting conversation, it's probably not going to work out. Right. You agree, you understand, but you can't make people sell you the house, right? You can yeah. only qualify them and that's it. So if they get stuck on price, go to one of the next ones. Go to, and if price isn't working, the time frame is working and they refuse to share the condition of the house and they have no idea what their motivation is. I'm moving on up past that lead. I'm just okay. not going to waste my time. And that's it. Because gotcha. if you try to make everything work, you might as well just be a realtor on MLS because that's how they do it. And we can't do that. We need distressed properties. We need um, motivated sellers. And if there's no motivation and there's no reason for them to sell, then you are going to pay top dollar like through a realtor and you're not, that's not wholesaling. I don't teach that. I don't, I rather you go through 3000 leads and find five people that will talk to you than try to convince a hundred people on MLS to sell you your property. It's just right. not going to happen. Yeah. Does, okay. does that clarify a little bit? Does that help you out? Yeah. Um, and so when they bounce you around, like they attack price first, mm -hmm. I always go, listen, I go, if you just let me ask you a few questions, I can kind of figure out if your property even qualifies. I always go to the takeaway. It's a little bit more of an advanced strategy, but in the beginning, go through that MCTP, motivation, condition, time frame, and price. 
And if four out of the four, like you get resistance on four out of the four, move on. Right. It's just, it's not going to work out. I'd rather you kill four or five minutes than four or five hours sitting in. There's nothing worse than sitting in somebody's houses that doesn't want to sell it to you and they just want to waste your time. And by the way, there's a lot of people out there like that. So the idea is you got to protect your time because we're not paid by the hour. Right. If the person's an ass, don't go meet with them. It's, they're just wasting your time. And here's the other one is if they go, if the price is right, I'll sell it to you. Just go listen. Have a nice day. I don't play that game show. Move okay. on. Whenever they said, if the price is right, I'll sell it to you. It is 100% failure ratio. Okay. So I gave you a couple. And then my favorite one, the probably the key one is the time frame. Hey, if I was able to buy your house, how soon do you think you get out and where are you moving to? And if they don't have an answer to it, you're a minimum 90 days, even if they're motivated to sell the house. It takes time to figure out where you're going to go. Mm-hmm. Ben, have you ever gone somewhere and moved in like a week or two? It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work. So mm-hmm. does that make it a little bit clear yeah. on the uh, motivate on the uh, the qualifications? Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. So just remember, just have a MCTP. Okay. He dragged me around on price. And by the way, if they keep, if they keep trying to step on you, like there's aggressive people out there just say, listen, John, do you mind if I ask you a few questions to see if you, if you'll qualify, if I can buy your house? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't take control, they just, you ever been McDonald's? Like you have a machine now, you push one, two or three. That's what they're trying to do to you. So, And if the price is kind of ambiguous or you can't get a number out of them, would you still recommend going on the appointment? Sometimes it's hard um, to see from the same I, I, would, I would try to get so if the property's motivated, I would go. Meaning okay. it's you he goes, Hey, it's a it's run down, it needs thirty thousand dollars of repair. And there maybe then that's worth a shot because you got nothing to lose. But right. Um and I teach you methods on how to play with them on the price a little bit. I go, listen, John. You know, Rick, I don't know. You, you called me. I go, listen, John, listen. I'm not gonna hold you to it, but if you had to guess, what do you what do you think you need to get for the property? Mm-hmm. And if you keep using the volley, if you do it twice, they, the third time they answer you out of frustration, they have a number in their head if they really want to sell. Right. And the problem is if they don't have a number, it means they don't really want to sell. But um, remember, I mail that postcard and I offer them some of them like a 10, 12 percent discount off the retail rate just to test them. Yeah. And uh, if the property is motivated, I go on the we go on the appointment every time because. To me, I only got to talk them down like 10%. It's easy to me. The right. problem is when I got to talk them down from like 5,000%, it's like a waste of my time. I'm never yeah. going to close it. So if the property's motivated and they're just being a little ambiguous on the price, I would go because you got nothing to lose. But if the property's not motivated and they're completely ambiguous on the price, I, I you know, there's nothing worse than sitting in somebody's living room that doesn't want to sell you the house and they just want to use you and take your contract. So, right. um, so when you, they start doing that, I just use little takeaways like, listen, John, let me just, let me see if your property is even going to qualify. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Mm-hmm. Okay. And by the way, when you ask condition and they go on and on about how perfect it is, here's what you do. Go, listen, John, I'm confused. Why would you even sell a house like this? I just, I start pulling away. Mm-hmm. You you got to do it, dude. I give this story, like the, the dog chasing its tail all the time. It's like my dog, it's like if I let him out the back patio and he's a black dog at night and he'll sit out there and he plays a game. And if I call him, and he doesn't come in. If I go out there and chase him, it takes me 20 minutes to catch him. 
If I just shut the patio door, he comes running back after me. So it's the same thing. It's human nature if you chase too hard. So when they're being like ambiguous and stuff like that, I go, listen, John, sometimes I just tell them, do you, do you even want to sell your property? I don't know. You tell me. Right. right. Okay. Stuff. Um, you got the qualification part down. Just work on that part. Mm -hmm. And listen, if the property's motivated, I would go, especially if I'm new to the game, because it's an opportunity and you're definitely going to learn something. Okay. Awesome. Okay, okay man. See you, bud. Okay. We're moving along, you guys. Um, okay, let's see here. James, what's going on? Hey, Rick, how's it going? Um, I'm hanging in there, man. How are you? Another day in paradise, right? Dude, um, every day of your life is a, uh, just a beautiful day. What's I going like on, it. man? Hey, so running across, my wife and I, we have a little two-person operation going on in our obviously very large apartment um yeah, we're running into a lot feeling, by the way yep yep we're running to a lot of issues where their first reply is bankruptcy and i need a go-to to get past that i mean that's the first thing we've had with a lot of calls okay, that well, go straight to bankruptcy freeze right there what type of leads are you working that they're giving you that objection we're going straight from foreclosure we have a little method where we go straight from foreclosure and um, so I find that a lot of people um, use bankruptcy and they don't understand what it is. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is you and your wife need to get a grasp of what bankruptcy is. Are you familiar with the, prop, the uh, process of bankruptcy? See, that's, that's probably what more I'm asking. That's probably a better yeah. question. Um, bankruptcy is like having a colonoscopy while you're awake. <laughs> it's extremely painful. I yeah. Let me tell you, I've sat with people and helped them through it. Um, people die from bankruptcy and like they have heart attacks um, and it's expensive. Now, I, I get it. A lot of people go, well, I don't really own much. So it's like no big deal. It is a process you have to go through. So in bankruptcy, you basically say, I, I can't pay my debts and you have to prove it to the court. Ten years ago, if you filed bankruptcy, it was a joke. Today. You have to prove to the courts that you are completely insolvent. Gotcha. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to look at every asset you, you own. They're going to look at all your real estate titles, your car titles, your boat titles, your RVs, anything you own. And they're going to put that on a spreadsheet and you have to declare it. And by the way, if people try to cheat bankruptcy, you go to jail. So a big percentage of the population lies when they do bankruptcy. And if you have any like decent assets and you have a complicated, so say you ran a multi-million dollar business and, you know, say COVID hit and like you had a restaurant employees, it's that bankruptcy is going to cost you a fortune with a lawyer, 10, 20, 30 grand. And that's what so, I, I tell people. I tell them, I believe, I mean, you're going to have to pay for it up front. Do you have the, I was looking online, sometimes $2,000 up front that these people have to put out just to it's start It's like $800 just in court fees. But right. here's what people don't realize. When you do bankruptcy is a lot of people just, it's not a fun experience. It's very public and you have to, so they, they line you up in a, a uh, room and then basically um, they beat you. So you have to make declarations to the court. 
and and you have to swear by him. And if you lie, they tell you you're going to go to jail. And then, um, by the way, they come to your home and they visit everything you have in your house. Interesting. Your car. See, they walk through everything, and this gives most people a heart attack. So, like bankruptcy sounds like a defense, but there's a cost to it, and a lot of times. Um, you know, they have to like, other than one car, they have to, so if a family has two cars, they have to give up their cars. They have to give up everything back. Like it, it doesn't, it's just, there's certain things that you can argue to the court, but I'm just telling you, it is a tough, humiliating process. Um, I get why people do it, but you have to qualify for it. I mean, so you're going to have to be unemployed. Um, you're going to have to be upside down on everything you have. And if you are, you have to give up your cars, your assets, your motorcycles, all your toys, and most people like once you go to their house, you're like, "Did you know there's eight motorcycles in the garage?" I'm like, "No, I'm going to do this." You can't hide it. You publicly registered it, so you just have to. I would spend a little time just um, understanding bankruptcy. Yeah. But most of the time, I'm just going to tell you, bankruptcy is a stall method, and they never go through it. Probably less than 15, 20 percent actually file bankruptcy. And by the way, bankruptcy is taught as a defense to delay the um, foreclosure so people can stay in their house for free. That's what a lot of people do with it. So the problem is you have to look through the bankruptcy and go, listen, are you just so here's a question you can hit with hard. Are you just trying to, de to delay the foreclosure process or do you want to settle it up? By the way, I've seen people do bankruptcy, they sit in their house for five years and never make a payment. It's actually a pretty good savings plan if you think about it. And then the uh, bankruptcy gets dismissed because they never follow through. And so if they spend $1,500 on a lawyer to file the paperwork and stuff like that, it's not that bad. But you still have to go in front of a trustee and you got to go to a county courthouse and it is not pretty. And uh, most, so... I ask them, so you're okay giving up your cars, all your possessions, everything? Because that's what you're going to do in bankruptcy. The idea is you're going to start over. But when you start over, it's like you're fresh out of high school. And for awesome. some people, that's a huge win for them. Um, so you need to find out if they're filing it as a stall tactic. Number two, when they file um, for bankruptcy, um, the house still goes into foreclosure. Like it doesn't stop the foreclosure at all. It stalls the foreclosure. It doesn't stop it. So okay. people are like, well, then I won't be responsible for the debt on the house. I'm like, so also when they do bankruptcy, um, I know they can't buy a house for at least three years. And the reality is because I deal with people's loans all the time. You have to put it on any public um, federal housing um, application you put on. They're going to ask if you ever foreclosed on. And if it's within the last 10 years, it's going to be a, a, a huge penalty mark on you. You're going to pay a much higher rate. So yeah, the reality is it's, I think it's more of a stall method and people got to understand the true pain of what it goes through a, uh, a bankruptcy. I, I think it's more of a stall tactic. I hear it all the time, but um, the people that actually follow through with it are very few because once they find out what it costs and what the energy it takes, but you, here's the problem with people in foreclosure. I tell you guys this all the time is they're either in denial all the way to the end, or you yes. just try to help them up front. And, I'm okay with you doing foreclosures, but keep in mind, uh, don't make it your only lead source because these people will wear you out. It is exhausting what people say uh, <laughs> in foreclosures. I was very much thinking that because I was having a little bit more success with Liz Pendants. I was saying, hey, um, 
we have a better shot of putting more money in your pocket before it gets to this and you have to pay yeah. 25,000 in legal fees. Let's uh let's try to do something beforehand and you know sticking sticking with the foreclosure list you go all the way to the end and they're still yeah. you know 2 weeks out and So by the them. way they all want to call you like 2 weeks before the sale. Yep. And I like I, I'm not Dude, like you need a badass attorney is what you need. Like, yeah, I, I, there's nothing I can do. I, I want to buy it, but, um, and that's the problem with them. So I, I do an entire video and talk about, I've spent a lot of time in pre foreclosure and foreclosure and that first 90 days from like them starting to hiccup, that's when you got to catch them. Okay. Once they get past that 90 days, they're like invincible. I'm going to, I'm going to file, uh, my friend's going to loan me money. My mom's going to loan me money. Um, I'm going to file bankruptcy. Don't worry. Hey, I haven't got a notice in like four months. I think it went away. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but uh, I tell it foreclosures, they will wear you out. They it, So I did exclusively for two years. Yeah. Um, the amount of drama you hear, it's like, but they, you got to find the ones that just, they, they want to solve the problem. The biggest problem you have is procrastination. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, you can't fix that. You just got to find the ones that want to play with you. And uh, so make sure you understand your lead sources, which ones will drive you nuts. I would still do the foreclosure. I just wouldn't make it your only source of business. I, okay. I think there's, you think that would be the most motivating list, but it's crazy. I've been doing this 21 years. I had the same problems now that I had when I first started. And I originally door knocked them. And that was some scary ass stuff. To do. <laughs> no, thanks. Uh, because like we didn't have ring doorbells or anything like that. But man, people are like crazy. Oh yeah. And uh, I used to say, Hey, I can't help but notice your pending problem because that's what I was taught, but it still worked. So, um, find, I, I would just, I would get some other list that you guys can work with. And, uh, I, I would be, how long you been working with your wife on this? Oh gosh. Like really like a couple weeks just okay. started so refresh. I, I'm kicking around doing a video cause, um, I dragged my wife as a school teacher into uh, wholesaling. Yeah. And so she now runs our um, realty department. She's a broker, but uh, she was great. But the, the first two years was phenomenal. After that, I thought she was going to kill me. So oh, um, we'd love it. We I'd get her on here. I'd make her jump on too. So, so like to, my wife, she used to answer the phones for me when we first started. Mm -hmm. And she's like the type of person, like she can, she's really good at talking and building rapport. But like past that, she didn't want to do anything because it's here. And so she goes, I go, how many phone calls? She goes, she got uh, 36 phone calls. I go, well, how many were motivated? She goes, you're talking to 34 of them. I go, are you kidding me? 34 people? <laughs> and like, I go, listen, it's going to be three hours. And I would go through it. And then I just started telling her, listen, you got you to gotta tighten up your qualifications for it. Yeah. And that's what she's like. But we've been married 27 years. It's like... Uh, there, so find out, just make sure I'm just telling you up front, find out what your wife's strengths are and make sure you always stay on that. And my problem is I got my wife into accounting and, uh, she goes, I hate this part of the business. And then after that, I go, okay, that's fine. We're going to hire people to do it. So she did it for four years and didn't tell me she goes, I, she, one day she goes, I just hate what I'm doing. I go, okay, forget it. She's so, so good with building rapport and you know, almost too good. We have to bring her back to the focus sometimes, you know, she goes through the dips of building too much I and know. she'll be on those two hour conversations. I'm like, well, that's the problem. You can't, you, yeah, you can't down. transition it. And then mm -hmm. she has to like do the dishes. Cause well, I don't know how to close. I'm like, 
the guy told me he would only talk to you. How am I supposed to talk to him? And yeah. once again, I'm just saying, just be very clear what you want to do because um, whenever you get into like to direct mail or something, if you can have someone that will answer that phone and just like make everyone feel special, direct mail is a home run. The problem with direct mail is like, no, like everybody struggles with the phone. We have our own issues in our own company with it. It's like constant like rotation and, and I have people I teach exclusively direct mail. I'm like, listen, you got to have the right person answering the phone. You got to have someone that's just all in. So preferably a spouse is usually the best people and you figure it out. But my wife did the phones for the first, uh, I think two years. She was really good at it. Yeah. But then she just like, I go, everybody's qualified. This is ridiculous. So I gave her a sec. She goes, I don't like doing this part where I got to tell people like we can't do stuff like that. But listen, you're, what you're experiencing with foreclosures is the norm. Okay. So they're going to procrastinate and it's hard to like, and they just the long drawn out conversations. You don't get anywhere, get other lead sources and keep working on them. And then at some point um, I would look at, um, look at mailingmastery.com. Okay. Just kind of you and your wife, yeah. because is, I will tell you, I can teach this business for free and I'll do it with that is it's a unique postcard uh, we send out that, it just by the nature of it, it makes people call. If someone will answer that phone and just qualify them, it's unbelievable how yeah. great it works. And it's, those are a whole different pace of people um, talking to you. Meaning they, they, when they call, there's something that happens when someone calls you, it flips the switch. Like you're not chasing them as hard. Um, yeah. And it works. You got to spend a little money to do it. But like, if you ever want to do like, I always tell people I will consider direct mail if you have someone that will is really good talking to people. So look at that and then reach out and talk to me. I would love to help you out with it. But the, you're you're experiencing normal foreclosure stuff. So okay. you're not Very losing good. your mind. And don't <laughs> sit there and study bankruptcy. Just saying, listen, so you're okay giving up your house, your cars, your motorcycles and everything and just starting from scratch. Yeah. And you're going to have to stand in front of the court and declare it. Plus, you got to pay the attorney's fees. The average attorney is about 400 bucks an hour. And there is a ton of pay. Oh, by the way, um, they have to give all their bank accounts last four years of their tax returns. It's extremely like they will dig in and they will ask a lot of questions on stuff. Yeah. So anything that's over like 10 grand transactions, they'll dig into it. And you have they have to file a report of like, what did you spend this on? What did you buy? And uh, they're trying to find out if they're hiding money. And here's the kicker part. You ready for this? Bankruptcy. Now, I know it's a little bit different depending on where you are. Um, they can go back two years and look in your records. So if you tried to set something up for bankruptcy, you can't. Like, you can't. You're going to get caught. Gotcha. It's, it's painful. Like, it's beyond thought. painful. Yeah. It's yeah. really bad. But, like, the problem is most of them are bluffing you. And remember, yeah. you can't make someone sell you their house. So I mean, listen, if you don't want to fix the problem and you just want to bury this in, filing foreclosure just creates a whole new set of problems for you that you're going to have to deal with years down the road. Yeah, My option can solve this right now and it gets you absolved and walked away free. Now, if they have other stuff they're trying to like defunct on and stuff like that, there's nothing you can do. But bankruptcy, like approximately 10 years ago, I don't know the exact time, it was a joke. Anyone could run up their credit card, do everything, file bankruptcy, and they could start all over. Now they have like a two-year look-back window. So it's like if you're trying to fool the courts, you're going to get busted. Awesome. Incredible yeah, so information. Uh, and then you get you get this little like thing always. called the trustee. Mm -hmm. And it's like a parole officer. You got to check with them. Um, 
that is for hilarious. however long the courts do it. And then they look over your bills. They look at what you're making for your job and income. They're just making sure you're not going to do something funky. Now, once you file bankruptcy, except you could, you could earn, you could go win a $5 million lottery. There's nothing they can do with it. But um, most people, they can't even like just doing like an IRS appointment or something like that. These are really, really painful. So yeah. um, I've witnessed one because I was uh, collecting a debt on someone and I had to attend it. I was in shock about how obtrusive it was. Yeah. And by the way, if you do it as a husband and wife, they both have to show up. Good to know. It's painful, yeah, man. You people can tell don't know these what people they're signing have no up idea. for when they ask for that. Yeah, they have no idea. You can tell when they just say it. They're like, oh, I'll just file for bankruptcy. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, oh. Good so luck you're with willing that. to give up. So you're willing up to give your car, everything, and start over. And then, by the way, they're going to look at everything over the last two years you did. And you're going to have to give every piece of your bank information. And by the way, you have to, they have to upload it um, every 60 days. Oh. Amazing. while they're in it so they're they're babysitting them to make sure there's nothing fraudulent going on so listen you're not a lawyer i wouldn't look too deep into it yeah. you can just do a simple search of like the painful part of bk bk does have a design for people that got in way over their head and people gave them loans but people who want to get out of a foreclosure for that it doesn't really get you out of the foreclosure it just absolves you of the debt so if you had a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage and the house is only worth like a 150. The only thing is taking care is that $50,000. But it's still on your credit, by the way. It doesn't go anywhere. So beautiful. Okay, look at that mailing mastery. I think uh, you guys might be a really good fit for something like that. Interesting. And then I would look at other lists to help you um, guide so you don't get stuck in like foreclosure hell. Yeah. Very Got good it? information, like always, Mr. Gain. Thank okay, you. man. Have a good one, bud. You too. Thanks again. Okay. Let's answer some questions on here. So Patrick, next time you just click the link. It's on the live. Um, don't worry. I'm on, uh, <laughs> we're on like, like four or five times a week. So um, the uh, tomorrow we're not going to have the flip with her plus extended live stream. Um, obviously a, a lot of people will be off it tomorrow, but um after that, everything is back to normal. And um, let's see what else, guys. Guys, that's kind of it. So um, enjoy your day tomorrow. We'll be back on a regular schedule on Wednesday. And please make sure you subscribe to this channel. This is the Rickin channel. Check out my son's channel, Zach Ginn. And also check out Flip with Rick. And make sure if you got value from this video, smash that like button, guys. Have a safe and wonderful time. And uh, we'll see you guys on Wednesday. See you guys. Later.